Hear That Podcast Ground is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. You're thinking about going to Sunday's game against the Patriots. They go, I don't know, could get a little expensive, Tom Brady, this whole controversy thing might, might make it even more interesting, people are going to pay more tickets. You know what? You're used to having cheap tickets when you try to go to the Bengals game on game days. That can still happen. Because the Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. So download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Podcast Growlin, Paul Eater Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic with you, as always, and in a season where storyline after storyline just seems to be around every week and it never involves football, all of a sudden, this drops on your lap. Jay, what a year we're having. It, it just seems like it. You can't even get away from the, the Bengals stuff. It just other stuff drops in your lap. I mean, they're, they're catching shrapnel on this. This is nothing the Bengals did specifically, but now here they are thrust right in the middle of, of a national story um, that probably isn't going to go away for a while. No, <laughs> it's not. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We we, we are going to dive into all the angles of what happened, why it matters, the fallout, the Bengals' role in this. Um, we're going to dive into all of that here on Spygate 2.0. We have some audio from Bill Belichick on his conference call with Cincinnati reporters that we're going to bring to you on a couple different elements uh, of it that are that are certainly interesting. It's just really wild and um there is there's a lot of interesting elements to this um then we'll we'll go ahead and uh take a look at uh there were some of the resurgence in the running game uh from a story that i have coming later this week uh we'll talk a little bit about andy dalton and and a little bit more breaking down in depth uh some of the issues that cost them the game essentially on sunday against cleveland jay has informed us that he has some doozy of stats i'm gonna assume they're sad jay um yeah they are uh they're amazing it's, it's amazing is what it is i mean you know you don't go we're not going back to the la dons but this is this is a staggering number um and i've also got i got stats and i've got some trivia for you stats and trivia yes. wow the double the daily double i'm on i'm on board with that uh i hope i hope it has a date and triangles reference um let's go we'll also keep going uh we'll update the race to the bottom after the giants Blew a win that the Bengals badly needed them to get last night on Monday Night Football. We will play run past her boot, of course. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens from there. But let's go back to the story of the week, not just here in Cincinnati on this podcast, but really across the NFL. And that is unbelievably Spygate 2.0 occurred right literally under the Bengals' noses. Uh, on Sunday in Cleveland, all of this came to light on Monday, basically during the press conference with Zach Taylor, where 
Bengals color analyst Dave Lapham was asking about the rumored incident of the Patriots filming the Bengals sideline. Zach Taylor said he was aware there was an incident and that the league was investigating but had no further comment. That brought this up of what was this incident? What exactly did happen? And from what I've been able to gather and talking to a ton of sources with this, here's what happened. The Patriots had, you know, according to them, this documentary they do on these guys uh, that are part of their, you know, whatever part of the operation called Do Your Job. And there was, so they had credentialed uh, this advanced scout and a video crew, essentially, but a small crew uh, to follow him around and sort of profile his job. They show up. They do an interview with him, and then they settle in in the front row of the press box and just start recording the Bengals' sideline for uh, the about eight minutes of data is what's on the tape. They do so right in front of someone who is on the Bengals' staff who sees it, is looking through the viewfinder. Can you imagine being that guy? Can you imagine you're sitting there? And here comes some people, and you end up finding out they're with the Patriots. The dude's wearing like a Boston Bruins shirt, and it's a Patriots credentialed people. And you just see them filming your sideline right in front of you. So you see that. Alert Bengals executives that were there, they come over. They get it basically to get shut down and alert NFL security, which is there, which end up confiscating the tape. ESPN had a report saying that at that point the crew was saying, can we just delete everything and be done with this? The answer to that was no. Uh, and so that tape gets turned into the league. The Bengals have the original copy. And you have the, you have this thing that just happened. What's on the tape is essentially eight minutes. You know, you have eight minutes of footage and an extended amount of time of just shooting the Bengals sideline at basically as graphic as it can get as straightforward as it can get. This is shooting the sideline. This is guys running off the field. This is coaches making signals. This is all that stuff. The same stuff that was part of Spygate one where all this went down. That's what's on the tape. And the NFL has it now and we will find out what the NFL decides to do with it. The Bengal, the, the Patriots essentially have come out with plausible deniability on this of Bill Belichick saying, look, I, this isn't even connected to the football operations. He, he insinuated on the conference call. He hasn't he even seen the tape. He doesn't know anything about it. It has a hundred percent nothing to do with him. He doesn't know anything about it. And here's the thing, Jay, you pointed this out yesterday. Go, it goes back to the ESPN story in 2015, right? I mean, this is this is a replica. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, before we even saw that story, I, that that was my comment. Is you know, I'm not an angel. I've done some things in the past that I knew I probably shouldn't be doing, and you always have the excuse planned out. Oh, if I get caught, this is what I'm going to say, and that's what this feels like. With they've got it pre-planned, where all oh, these guys are just doing a TV show, their craft productions, and <clears throat> to an extent, I mean, that's true that that. I, I could see where Belichick has that, that deniability there, but you're talking about an advanced scout. He is there. He's the subject of the documentary. He is football staff. And 
the, the, the Patriots even said in their statement Tuesday night or Monday night that he, their, their staff, their scouts know the rules. And there's no way that that scout didn't know what the cameraman right behind him was shooting. That, that that's just that's just un, totally unbelievable. And it's the same. The, the 2015 story said that's what they did is they they would get credentials under the guise of craft productions, and and then they would film. And if they got caught, they could say, well, they were. It was just a TV show. That this is a a production arm. This is not football ops. And it's it's it played out exactly the same way on Sunday in Cleveland. And it is, I saw those guys filming before the game and didn't think anything of it because they were back in the dining room area. And it was weird. You don't see that a lot. But when I was at the Dayton Daily News, Mike Hartsock and I would do Facebook Lives where we would go on camera and kind of talk about the game. I just assumed what, that's what these guys were doing. Um, and then to, to be, you know, a lot of the, the Patriots fans that are, you know, responding on Twitter or saying they were wearing Patriots gear. Uh, they were being obvious about it. So that they couldn't have, it, it couldn't have been a spy situation because they were out in the open. But if you've got that built in excuse, then, then there you go. We, we are just going to be flagrant about it. And if we get caught, this is what we say. Um, it, it, it's staggering that they would do that and, and be so to have that lack of self-awareness that, Hey, if, if this is where the Browns put the, the Patriots advanced scout, there's probably Bengals advanced scouts nearby. And to just go ahead and film the Bengals sideline right in front of those guys, it's, I, I don't know, it, it, arrogance, ignorance. I don't know what it is, but it, it, it blew up. It, it blew up in their face and now they're going to have to deal with it. Yeah, and so I mean, here's the here's what we I mean here's what we know here's the basic facts, and in the NFL will have to decipher how much they care about the deniability of not being a part of football operations and saying it has nothing to do with them, and even pointing out there's independent contractors involved here, and, and that is you have people who are from the Patriots. Including someone who is part of your football operations sitting in the front row and eight minutes of video, a ton of which is just shooting the sideline. You have a new staff that you have not gone against before. So from a Bengals perspective and, and the egregiousness of the tape and the fact that this is there, you know, when you're a new staff, that is there is an element of surprise to that of not understanding what's going on. You never played them before, so there's there's that too. I mean, there is an advantage to this. It's a, there's a reason why this has happened before. There's a reason why people have this against the rules. And you can point out anything like, oh, you know, anybody could do that with a with a camera or any whatever. It's against the rules, and they're for a reason. And if and so if this is what happened. And that's what's on the tape and everyone has a tape. And that, and that's why the, you know, you have to imagine the Patriots statement is, is now like, yeah, we agree. And also they did not clear it with the Bengals to be able to show up and tape here or the NFL and saying, oh, that was a misstep on their part. And all of these things add up to just make you wonder what is going on here. And, but how, it's impossible to not put some to put this onto the Patriots as a whole. They, you are responsible for what happens with your people when they are on the road. 
Now, whether Belichick has an out on this with his saying he has nothing to do with it, whether that will get him out, whatever, I am really curious to see what happens as far as how they deal with this now. Will the NFL sweep it under the rug? The NFL doesn't want this. No. This is the last thing the NFL needs is another cheating controversy with the Patriots, their flagship team right now with all the titles, all the AFC championship games, all the Super Bowls, all that stuff, maybe about to go to another one. This is the last thing they need hanging over them. So the NFL is going to see this. Will they just say, buy the Patriots' excuses and move on? Will they give it validity? What does it matter to the Bengals? I don't know. The impression I get is the Bengals are like, look, we got a hundred and we got 99 problems and this ain't one. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's sort of like we got, we got a lot going on here. Uh, and this is just sort of something that happened around them. They uh, tried to address it immediately and get the tape to the NFL to do their investigation. They tried to handle it. They're livid about it because no one wants to get cheated on. No one wants to feel like they're trying to get you like that. Um, but what does it really mean? Like, there's only so much that it, that it does. You still gotta go play the game. But, you know, I I am really curious to see what happens on the Patriots end of things. I mean, this is a Patriots issue, and this is gonna be their intention is what is going, and connect, connected, connectivity to the football ops is what's gonna decide what happens for them. But this is a, it's a Patriots thing. It's not a Bengals thing, even though it happened right in front of them on their watch. I just I can't imagine what it would be like to be sitting right behind that and watch that in the viewfinder as it goes on and just say, I, I can't even believe what I'm seeing right now. <laughs> this dude in a Boston Bruins shirt <laughs> <laughs> is recording the sideline right in front of me, like just right here. It's wild. Yeah, it's so egregious that you there there has to be a penalty now. It may just be a fine, um, which is it's gonna that's gonna be pocket change for Robert Kraft. Um, I, I don't know if they would take a draft pick again. It, it, for the NFL, it's convenient that we're going into week 15. The NFL can just sit back and say, well, we're going to, this is going to be a lengthy investigation and they can just put this under the rug until even, you know, playoffs, Super Bowl, wait till everything's over and then announce something in the well, offseason. You can see something at the owners' meetings. Right. You know, of like announcing a fun where it's sort of off the grid. It doesn't mess with their main schedule. Everyone forgets it by the time you get to the season. You know, I mean, it, you can see that happen. Absolutely, you can see that happening. And I'll be, I'll be fascinated to see what happens from it. But that's, that's sort of where it's at right now. That's, that's what happened. That's the Bengals' view of it. And I mean, you know, they just tried to nip it in the bud as much as, as much as they could and, and move on. Um, Again, you know, go listen to our, our Patriots folks um, if you want more, obviously, from their side. But uh, from, in, you know, inside what happened here, that's sort of the story, and, and that's where it's at. So just a, just another uh, another week of normal business around here uh, as it's just the season of chaos and all hell breaking loose. You know, one thing that's interesting about – you mentioned the Bengals have a copy of the tape or, or the original. I can't remember which was, but they, they have the tape. And – Yes. What would they if if the NFL just sweeps this under the rug and says nothing to see here and no real no no penalty or anything of any significance would the, would the Bengals put that tape out there to, to Well, show? I mean it, it's there's multiple copies of it. It can get out there at any point. There's no reason yeah. why it, and it probably will. It probably will. There's no reason it shouldn't. 
I mean, because the the Patriots, I mean, it's, it's the Patriots know what's on it. There's a reason they said there's wrongdoing here and admitting that there was filming of the field that went on. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason they're saying that because you can't run. The tape don't lie, man. You can't run from it. The NFL has it. Everybody has it. That's what it is. You know, and and so it, it should, could, will get out. Let me tell you this. The NFL is watching and not not Park Place. The coaches that have been frustrated by what happens when you play the Patriots for years and accusations of this stuff for years, and, and that's documented over the course of, you know, everything that's happened with them. And, you know, that, that ESPN story from the bombshell from 2015, you can go back and reread that and go through all that stuff. The other coaches in the league are watching this and how the NFL handles this because everyone is appalled. No one wants this to happen to them. No one wants to think that this type of stuff is still going on. And maybe maybe the Patriots are able to distance themselves from it from a football ops perspective. Maybe they are. And maybe they're able to play the game of coincidence. But, boy, there's a whole lot of coincidences that, that that's here. And if the NFL doesn't make them answer for it, you got to wonder, certainly why would anything stop them from doing this again then? Yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine there's probably going to be a lot of teams that aren't going to credential craft productions anymore. And the other thing, is, it, this has been – the, the Patriots say this is a, an ongoing series. They do a different documentary every week on a, you know, a, a staff, a support staff personnel. Um, so if they've, if they've been doing this all week, I mean, that, that makes it even harder to believe that it was a total oversight to, to not inform the Bengals. You would think if you're going into – an opposing stadium to do to do a documentary and you're taking video of any kind you would alert both teams every week and then you get to week 14 and conveniently don't notify the team that you're playing next that just that makes it almost hard to believe certainly uh let's pull in a little bit of audio from bill belichick's uh conference call a little bit will be sort of the back and forth early as it opened it obviously opened where you would think it would open uh with uh, a few questions about this and and whatever and then uh later on i'm going to cut into the back end um it is a question uh from ben baby of espn who asks about if anything has changed what how things have changed for them since spygate uh, 1.0, I guess we should say. Uh, and, and it was kind of an interesting answer from Bill Belichick. So here's a couple of answers uh, from Bill Belichick from his conference call with the Cincinnati Media on Tuesday morning. Hey, Coach, do you have any plans or have you reached out to the Bengals to kind of say, you know, uh, you know whether it's uh, apologize or, or just say, hey, sorry about the miscommunication with what happened. Has there been any, any contact with the Bengals from you at this point? Yeah, I'll say I'll keep that between us and the Bengals. Has there been any contact with the league regarding this incident? Again, I really don't have anything to do with this. I, I, you know, I don't have anything at all to do with this whatsoever. So, whatever's going on between the people that are involved in it and the league and all that, it's not a football issue in any way, shape, or form. So I have no involvement. I, I, I don't know anything about this. They didn't get. They didn't get clearance from you to go ahead and do this. Uh, this this episode. They didn't get clearance from you. That it was a advanced scout. You know. I mean, since it's a organizational employee, there was no. You had no knowledge that this was going on. Zero. It's a. It's a part of a TV show. 
I had nothing to do with that whatsoever. Right, but the employee was an advanced scout, which is part of the football. So you had no no knowledge that they were going to go and take this advanced scout doing a, a you know do your job episode. No. How differently do y'all operate? You know, after after everything that happened in no late when the NFL finds y'all into the draft pick, how differently, just from an entire you know as an entire franchise, do y'all function now than maybe you did before all that happened? I mean, we always try to do everything the right way. Um, you know, look, we're competitive, and, and we'll you know try to be competitive in every area. But I mean, we don't you know, we don't knowingly intentionally want to do anything that, that crosses the line. Um, but since that's happened, I'd say we've tried to keep a a good distance behind the line and not maybe take it as far as we would might have in the past, but. And it's never really, never really fundamentally changed there. Okay, there's uh, the hoodie, and uh, if we if we figure out what a good name. Are we just if you're gonna have a sequel, it needs like a, an end to it, like Spygate 2.0. You know, is it like you know re, re, Return of the you got Return of the Jedi, like Return of the Hoodies, or Return of the Video? Is it you know what, what Return of the Camera? What what are we? Do we have a good name for it? You gotta have a good name for it. Filming the flailing gate. Filming the flailing. That's the other part about this. And this will be the the hysterical footnote in five years when people just will forget anything other than, oh, whatever the punishment ended up being, it was for taping again. You did this against the Bengals. (laughs) Like, do you really need this? Is that necessary? It's it, it's it's like when people, someone who's just a habitual liar. It's like you just can't help yourself, can you? Like, why would you even need to do this? There, one. That's the story here. That's that's the headline behind all this. The headline should be Belichick frightened of one in twelve Bengals. That's the that's the that's the headline to this. It's like millionaire shoplifts pack of gum. It, yeah. it makes no sense <laughs> whatsoever. And maybe that's part of their plausible di- deniability is why would we yeah. do this? It's the bang. Why would we do this? <laughs> oh man. Unbelievable. Uh, let's, let's dive forward a little bit more into the Bengals. Thank you to everybody, uh, that came over for, uh, Spygate talk and, and filming talk. And, uh, but we're going to go ahead and talk about this, uh, bad club. Uh, that's playing out the string here of three more games. Um, first of all, let's update the race to the bottom, shall we? Most, the most important aspect of, uh, this season. The Giants blow a 17-3 lead and Eli Manning getting them ahead and, and the Eagles storm back to win on Monday Night Football. A terrible result for the Bengals who could have had a two game distance between them and the Giants. I mean, it would have, that would have almost locked it up. It really would have. Yeah, even oh. a tie would have been really good for the Bengals because once it got to overtime, you're thinking, okay, it's rainy, it's sloppy, maybe this just ends in a tie. Uh, that would have been as good as a Giants win for where the Bengals stand, but uh, did not happen. So you're down to four teams still in play for the number one overall pick, the Burrow Bowl, and so you have the Giants at two and eleven. Obviously, the Bengal the Bengals at one and twelve. The two main candidates, Washington and Miami, still hanging there at three and ten because of those strength of schedule tiebreakers. Still, all would not go to the Bengals. So, anytime they end up tied, it's problems uh, for Cincinnati. They need to be cleared of them. 
The the thing is, and here's my question. I'm actually curious your thought because I don't even know how I stand on this. This Sunday, Miami plays the Giants. You're more scared of Miami taking a quarterback. If the Giants were number one, you're pretty sure they would take Chase Young because they just took Daniel Jones. They probably wouldn't trade out of it because Chase Young is that good. Who do you want to win if you're the Bengals? Do you want Miami or the Giants to win on Sunday? I think you have to root for the Giants. I mean, they're, they're only one game ahead of the Bengals. That's If the Giants win that game, and then you have to assume Patriots beat the Bengals, so that then it's a two-game gap with all those teams. That means the only way – at that point, the Bengals could lose the number one pick would be to win out, win at Miami and win at home against Cleveland and have the other team, uh, lose out. And it just, the, the winning out just seems unlikely in a, in a, but the worst out. case scenario, the worst case scenario is Miami ending up with that number one and it puts that very much into play. If Miami is three and 10, the Bengals go to Miami in, in, in the, the bowl for number one. And if the Bengals were to win that game, you then, in the last week, have the Bengals playing a Cleveland team that you can argue they very much should have beaten and they're kind of pissed off at for losing to in Week 17, a Cleveland team that will have nothing to play for and that has totally imploded. Beckham wants out. He's telling every every quarterback he comes up to after the game, can you come get me? <laughs> and Miami's playing New England, who have plenty to play for. In New England. That is a do I mean everybody that is doing that has plenty of play. Yeah, I mean that is that is a frightening scenario where you then end up in this tie and Miami is picking one. And then you could end up in a tie with the Giants having three wins two and you're picking third. And you don't get either guy. Well, here's the that then you're right there because the you look at what the Giants have left and there there is a chance for wins in week 16 and week 17. Very much. Yes. Going Washington to, and Philadelphia yeah. after the Miami game. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe all very winnable. Maybe you do root for Miami if you're a Bengals fan. Um I think you root for Miami because I I do think the Giants will win another one. I I just the worst case scenario is Miami in front of you. Because I, I do think inevitably you get Burrow at two if the Giants are one. I don't it would take a lot for them to trade out. And people would maybe be willing to do it. But I I think the chase the the Chase Young thing keeps them there. So the scary scenario is Miami, and if the Giants beat them, it opens up all the all you got. Here come the Bengals down to Miami for their pointless win, and then New England. It, you can you can just see it playing out. So anyway, that's an update of the race to the bottom. Pick your pony this weekend on who what you want to see, uh, but a number of different things. Uh, in play there. Let me take a quick break to ask you something. Have you had a long day at work? Maybe a tough day at school? You are locked into Twitter and can't stop reading the latest updates in Spygate 2.0. Whatever it is, your answer is DoorDash. Restaurant quality food with a living room dress code. Look, your parents don't pack your lunches anymore, but you still need to eat. Have your favorite restaurants brought to you with DoorDash. Brown paper bag, not included. Uh, look, DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code 
Growlin. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the promo code Growlin. Don't forget, that's promo code Growlin for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Okay. Let's go into – I want to talk a little bit about this, the, the running game. And I'm writing about this this week. You look back over the last six weeks and – the Bengals have been one of the best running teams in football, believe it or not, which is incredible when you consider they were on pace to break the records of the Los Angeles Dons and the Dayton Triangles uh, and everybody else uh, seven games in for a, for the his, most historically bad rushing offense. They were on pace to break the fewest rushing yards in a season by like 200 yards. That includes 14-game seasons. They have been great the last six weeks, to be to be quite frank, uh, running the ball. And so I sort of started digging on why did that really happen? What what did happen here? And I find it really interesting, and I, and I actually do think the reasoning why is is fairly encouraging for Bengals fans. So around week seven, when they week eight, I should say, when they were going to London, a lot of time on flights, a lot of time just to. You know, they, the Bengals decided they it was really time to dig into this running game because they had the bye week coming, but they knew they needed to change up their scheme a little bit more against the Rams anyway, um, because the Rams would be so familiar with everything they were trying they had been trying to do when they came in. Their foundation was that Rams system, and it just was it just didn't fit. It wasn't working. The Bengals couldn't do it, and that was had become apparent. So they started tinkering with some other things they could do. An interesting nugget was so all these coaches are talking and trying to kick around ideas. Jim Turner. So I have a lot of history with these pin and pull gap schemes where essentially you get the receivers or outside guys coming down from the outside and blocking the edges while you get these centers and guards pulling out to the outside. Um, and, and, and that can be a difference maker. You can take advantage of some of the athleticism because the problem the Bengals have this year and they've, that they quickly discovered is they just can't impose their will on people. They just can't, they're just not good enough. They're miss, they miss too many blocks and they, they just can't do it. They just can't move people. It's just not a thing. And so how do you run the ball when you can't move people, right? That, that's the essential question. And the answer is you can do it. You can scheme that up. And they started trying to find ways to do it. And in the process, it realized also Joe Mixon's style did not really fit this either. Like the the running to the edge in one cut thing, he was too often not going all the way to the edge, not thinking he could get there. He was too often getting stuck up on the inside, and it would and so none of it none made none of it work together. Alex Van Pelt, the quarterback coach, points out, you know, back in the day, the Packers used to. Uh, toss the ball to Eddie Lacy and you wouldn't think to do that a big back you think you just want to get it to him and let him pound it up there but it really worked for Eddie Lacy because it took him more time to get his speed and power going so it bought him time it got his eyes up field why don't we try that with Joe Mixon that seems maybe part of his thing and so one play they ran it in London it went for like 13 yards and Joe looked great cutting off of it. The Bengals pulled out, and it looked fantastic. And everybody kind of looked at each other and said, huh, maybe we might have found something here. Lo and behold, 
six weeks of doing a whole lot more of that, still doing some of the other stuff and whatever, and, and then adding a changing the way they block up a play that is a, a middle run play where they allow CJ Uzama or the, or the tight end, whoever's playing tight end, to come through and, ha- and, and run up to the second level up the middle instead of having asking one of the guards to go do it because they just weren't able to get up there because they couldn't push people enough made that play super effective. All of that stuff, they those two plays play off of each other. All of a sudden, got a really dynamic run game going, found plays that fit to Joe Mixon's eyes. They were a little closer to what the Bengals were doing last year. And now everything's working. Trey Hopkins is like, yeah, I never pulled like this in my life. Now Trey Hopkins out here pulling all the time. They found something he actually does really well. Being able to take this huge problem, almost – potentially insurmountable issue of having a historically inept rushing game. Figure out the way to solve that puzzle on the fly as a coaching staff with everybody sort of having their own personal input with different history they've had, I think is a very good sign that despite as poor as they have been offensively this year, particularly in scoring touchdowns in the red zone, they got to fix that. That they showing they can solve that problem on the fly, I think is is an encouraging element, and I think and just the fact that they kind of know how to run the ball a little bit more now, I I, I think there's something to that, and uh, it's it's really interesting how that evolved and, and how they approached it and ended up solving it. Yeah, I mean we've we've gotten questions about what what changes there might be on this coaching staff next year, and there've been questions about whether Jim Turner will be back. He absolutely is coming back. I mean, they Brian Callahan talked about it yesterday about how much he spearheaded this this whole thing and how it was Jim Turner that came up with the idea that hey, Trey's pretty athletic. We need to see we need to pull him. We need to get him out in space and that so much of this this resurgent is on Jim Turner and it was uh it was interesting we were interviewing Joe Mixon after the game um uh, Sunday in Cleveland after he'd set a career high and Jim came over and kind of interrupted the interview session just to shake Joe's hand and, and congratulate him on a good day. It was, it's kind of a weird interaction. You don't see that a lot, but, um, they do. They've really got it going. And it's not just that these plays work better for Joe, that they work better for Joe even when they break down because he's so good at just reverse and field and, and, and scrapping. If it's not there, just going back the other way and you've got everything flow in one way. And then all of a sudden you got Joe cutting back. Some of his biggest runs this year have been that when there's been nothing in front of him and he's just cut back and kind of made things on his own. Um, so you, you mentioned, I don't know if you've gone dug into this. You mentioned the, the last six weeks and actually the last five games, uh, the Bengals are averaging um, 127.8 rushing yards per game. That's ninth best in the league. That is Anytime you're top 10, that's pretty good. When you go from 32nd to 9th in a five week, or I'm sorry, 32nd to not, yeah, in a five week period, that's, that's really saying something. And it's not just adding more explosives, which they have in, in the last six weeks. They have 32 rushes, overall rushes of eight yards or longer. That's fifth most in the league. In the first seven games, they were 30th in that stat with only 18. Um, you have their negative rushes, uh, rushes of zero or negative yards. First seven games, they had 40 of them, which obviously was worst. And then the last six games, they had 27, but 10 of those came 
against the Jets in that blowout where they were just pounding up the middle with the lead mm-hmm. against that good Jets just running clock. So take that Jets game out only 17. I mean, that is significant because those negative plays were just killing them on drives. Now their drives, even though they may not always score, obviously, or and even though they may not always even, you know, attempt a field goal or whatever, they're they're not three and outing. And that has been a huge help for their defense. They have given the defense more time. They've they've run more plays on offense than defense at times it's helped them play much better complimentary football and kept them in games quite honestly this run game getting solved has been the only has been the biggest reason i mean their defense playing better for sure but this that those go hand in hand a little bit has been one of the biggest reasons that they've they've been competitive and stayed and and got their first win and all that stuff and and i just you know the, the way the coaching staff did solve that, I do think, is something. And no one wants to hear that. No one cares. And they still got a boatload of problems. A boatload of problems. But I hear more often about how this is one of the best communicating coaching staffs and best coaching staffs they've ever worked on for really knowing how to solve problems and, and being able to to intelligently approach the game and people might and people are screaming and yelling because they don't want to hear it. but I, I hear that it makes me want to see what it looks like when they have a little bit more of their roster that that's what this is about I mean this is about okay they had to learn their personnel on the fly they didn't learn they've had a half they basically had a half a season to figure out who did what who can and can't do what and learn how to fix that and solve that now they know what they can and can't do they know who to get rid of for that fact, who to go, what they need desperately and how to make that work. And it does make you, make you feel like, Hey, that, that, that stat, I told you competitive L's, mm-hmm. you know, they now have seven, uh, one more competitive L and they're in that, that group of teams, uh, that year over year, almost a hundred percent improved by, uh, by a lot, four and a half wins on average for teams that have eight. In the last decade have had eight or nine uh, one possession losses from one year over the next. There's a law of averages to that. There's improvement to that. There's understanding how to win those games to that, and that's a very real stat. I mean, eight of the eleven teams in that bucket were five hundred or better the next season. There is reason to believe in that. That's all I'm saying. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. It doesn't mean Zach Taylor's something going to be a, good, a, a coach that everybody's going to get behind or whatever it is. But I'm just saying the way they've solved this problem, I do think could be indicative of a bigger one. And and throw Lou Anarumo in there too now. I, for all as 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 much as he deserved to be criticized, that defense has played so much better since the second half of the season. Particularly these last really four games, I guess, since that Baltimore game debacle. But you know, Lamar has turned has churned up sure. everybody. But they they really have, and and there is something to that where you do have to credit Lou Anarumo for figuring out some things as well. I'm not saying that means they're great. I'm saying progress is important to see. And it's, I mean, it's not just the, the close losses that you talked about. I mean, Bill Belichick pointed it out on the conference call. He, he said, you know, they, the Bengals have played some really good teams. 
I mean, you go back and look at that, the, just the first month of the season, Seahawks, 49ers, Bills, Steelers, those are all playoff teams right now. And, and then you throw two games against the Ravens in there. They played the Rams who are in the hunt for a playoff spot. It, the, the whole reason that they're not going to get that number one pick because of, because of the tiebreaker, because their strength of schedule is so good. I, I, I went through for today's story for the final thoughts. I just added up what the strength of schedule is for the, for the four teams vying for the number one, but with the, the Bengals win opponent win percentage being up around 580, that's crazy. I bet I would be willing to bet that's the, the toughest schedule in the league right now. And there's something to that. If you're, if you're not just, you know, playing close games, but playing close games against really good teams. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean anything on the ledger this year, but you, you're everything. Right now, it's one eye on this year, one eye on next year, and and this has to create at least a little momentum, a little bit of hope moving into 2020. That, like you said, when they they get their own guys in, um, this this run game thing that, that what they figured out here next year, they get Jonah Williams back. Maybe they take a, another offensive lineman very early in the draft, and all of a sudden you've got guys that can move people, and you've you you can you've got the best of both worlds. You can do the tosses and get things outside, and you can you can play power football as well. It's just everything's kind of lining up for next year to be an improvement, not to be a repeat. Yeah, I mean, and and that's where so much of the onus will fall on Zach Taylor to find ways to score more points because yet they have churned out more yards, they have been able to run the ball, they've played better defense, but yet they still are the only team in the NFL by a wide margin, to have not scored more than two touchdowns in a single game. Last, as you know, if you listen to the podcast, last team to do that was the 2010 Carolina Panthers. A whole decade this hasn't happened, and here they are, three games away from not having a single game where they score more than two touchdowns. That leads to my trivia. Let's go. Let's go. What's your trivia? Okay. Um, how many – Consecutive second half possessions have the Bengals gone without scoring a touchdown. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, they ran. They basically ran it out against the Jets. Uh, nothing against Cleveland. I mean, we'd have to get how how many is it? What is? It? Are we in the forties? Almost. The last time they scored a second half touchdown was the final possession in the Jacksonville game. Since then, they Whoa. went five against the Rams, six against the Ravens, six against the Raiders, seven against the Steelers, seven against the Jets, four against the Browns. They are sitting on 35 consecutive possessions in the second half without a touchdown. Wow. <laughs> 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 Marvin got killed for not making halftime adjustments. Uh, somehow that has eluded the fan base. Zach is, I haven't heard Zach get the, the, the slings and arrows over that, but that's, that's amazing. No second half touchdowns since that Jacksonville game. Jacksonville was a long time ago. It was. <laughs> was that week six? Week. Yeah. I mean, that is week seven. That is. That is so crazy. That is so crazy. Well, gosh, is that is that your trivia slash Jay's got stats, or do you have a separate? Stat? Oh no, I've got better stats. You want to get to them now? Let let's uh let's get to them now, and uh and and let's because I'm curious. I'm curious now. I need to know if, if you're gonna back if you're gonna if th this is gonna be more impactful 
than what you just told me. I'm, I, I can't wait any longer. Okay, so on Sunday, the Bengals outgained the Browns by 118, and they won the turnover margin. So when teams do that, when they win the turnover margin and outgain opponents by at least 118 yards, <laughs> this is so ridiculous. They were 220 and 0 and 1 since week 13 to, or week 11, 2013. 221 consecutive games without a loss until the Bengals did it on Sunday. Wow. That tie, the, the, the only other time a team didn't win. Oh no, don't tell me. Washington, London, 2000, also the Bengals. Oh, no, there was the Bengals? It no. Was. <laughs> so I went all the way back to 2000 just because my brain couldn't handle going any further. But there, there have been 763 games where a team has outgained an opponent by 118 and won the turnover battle. Uh, the record in that game is 744-18-1. That's a 97.6 winning percentage. And uh, the Bengals bucked it on Sunday by losing to the Browns. That, as they say, is a doozy. <laughs> 220 and 0 and 1. And you know how you lose that game? Picks Your it. quarterback kills you. Yep. Your quarterback kills you. There's two plays, two really th- almost three, but two particularly egregious errors by your quarterback that just that make that stat possible. It's somehow being unable to throw a basic third and 23 slant to Auden Tate. Instead, high and behind and over the top, just like in Buffalo, that leads to a pick six. So now all your yardage is wiped off and you flips the score, all that stuff. And then, you know, we can talk all we want to. We can talk all, and, and we should, about the play calling in the red zone because there was some bad stuff happening down there. But as the quarterback on first and goal from the two, if a pass play is called where the call is basically trying to run up real quick, catch him snoozing and, and try to, you know, get the pass on him. If it's not there, you have to get rid of that ball. It is, that is QB one oh one stuff. You have to get rid of that ball. And to not do that and take the sack there is just killer mistake. It's as simple as, hey, get, hey, nope, not there. Oh, throw it away. But to, to drop back, it wasn't like, this wasn't like, uh, you know, Cameron Hayward beating Billy Price in Pittsburgh and planting him in, in, you know, one second. This was a standard drop back. You know, two and a half, maybe a little under. I'm not sure how, how fast they got back there. Throw, just throw it away. You just have to. And to not do that. And then, here's the other kind of weird thing. On that third down. Well, Before the, that? He, he, the, 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 no, the third down right after that. Oh yeah. He, he throws it away. And like, rather than, hey, the third down down there throws it away instead of like holding it or trying to make a play somewhere. Throws it away. We're there. You can take the sack or you can do whatever because 
you're you're just kicking a field goal that's a touch longer when you're in the goal to go. I mean, what's the difference, you know, between 30 and 39 or whatever? Throws it away. Those plays, those plays are killer. They, and that is how you lose that game. That's how you you buck two twenty zero and one. Is that what it was? Yes. I mean, so now we have the Seattle game, which was the incredible against all odds, outgain them by one hundred ninety six and lose. Mm-hmm. Period. Which is which has almost never happened. It was like I believe I I have to go back and check that one, but I think it was like teams are like one hundred three and three or something. And then you have now you have this one two twenty zero and one. Essentially, you know, you're in the high nineties. We're talking like for the poker crew out there, we're talking about like one outers on the river to blow this. Yeah. Uh, twice now. I mean, that's particularly incredible. And, um, you know, you mentioned the third down where he threw it away. I, I, I was going back to because everybody's you know kind of hammering Zach and Brian Callahan about the play call with the first down pass that resulted in the sack, um, and then the fourth and goal quarterback draw that didn't go very well the two plays before that sack they had third and inches down there on the like the two and a half and they threw it and it was it, it should have been another pick six uh, cj uzama made a really good play to kind of rip the ball out of the defender's hands but they they threw a little pass out in the flat and the the db undercut it and he had it in his hands he was on his way for another pick six and uh uzama made that made the the play enough of a play to, to get the ball out of the guy's hands uh it it just i don't know like would, would you got third and inches maybe you say okay we're gonna throw it here because we know we're gonna go for it on fourth down but it just when joe is running the ball as well as he is it just it, it just defies logic not just slam it up or let andy don't go in shotgun let andy quarterback sneak it i i don't know what this insist insistence is that they have that they they feel like they they have to throw the ball even down close yeah i do think there is a lot of overthinking going on we saw this uh in the game against pittsburgh when they were deep in their own end and they or to try to run to try to drive for the win or whatever and and come out in that five wide with the running back outside formation three straight plays rather than trying to get out of there running the ball a little bit and you know there just always seems to be a lot of worrying about tendencies and overthinking it and while that's important at some point in time you need to keep it simple and just get the job done right when it's when it's something like that and, and you have to have a little bit more of a you know a neanderthal mentality dumb it down all right mm. we're on the two let's shove it in you know four times they're not going to stop us four times. You got to have that attitude and take that attitude into it rather than trying to get cute, trying to worry about tendencies and all that other stuff. Um, that's my opinion on it. Uh, run past your boot time. How do we feel about that? I'm ready. You want me to give right, you run one past first? Your boot. Okay. Well, I, well, I have a Bengals one. I have a Bengals one. Let's start there. Okay. Uh, so Bengals run past your boot. You know, we've got, we've got the on to Cincinnati stuff. We've got the Spygate stuff going on. 2.0. Return of the camera. And so there's a chance for a lot of shenanigans here. We also have the last time the Patriots were in Cincinnati. What happened? Tom Brady's consecutive games with a touchdown pass was snapped. Streak, streak broken. Snapped yes. at 52. 
at 52. So more likely to happen on Sunday, Jay. The Bengals don't score any touchdowns. Tom Brady doesn't throw any touchdowns. Belichick runs it up for a 20-plus point win. Run, pass, boot. Um, I'm going to run with Belichick, runs it up for a 20-plus win. It just feels – we see this all the time where the, the, the last time the, on to Cincinnati game where they got embarrassed on Monday night against the Chiefs and they just just destroyed the Bengals in the next game. Here they are again coming off a very disappointing performance against the Chiefs. They've lost two in a row in December. This happened last year. They lost two in a row in December, and then they ran the table to a Super Bowl championship. And then you throw in the whole – Spygate 2.0 thing, I, I think they're going to have uh, a chip on their shoulder, something to prove we don't need to cheat to beat the Bengals. Um, it, not to mention just the personnel is is better. I I, just, I think this one's going to get ugly. Um, I will I will pass on um, Dalton. Was it Dalton? No, the Bengals not scoring a touchdown because that's that's yeah that's a fairly not, no touchdown at all right. That's that's not that hard to believe, especially when it's been 35 straight second half possessions without one. I'll, I'll boot, <laughs> I'll boot Brady not throwing a touchdown pass. It just feels like it, it's going to happen. It happens every game. Why wouldn't it happen against this defense? Even though they have played better lately, I, that doesn't that doesn't seem very likely that they're going to keep Brady out of the end zone. I'm also booting no touchdown passes for Brady, but I have no TDs for the Bengals as what I'm running with, and I'll pass on. Belichick running it up. I I don't know that he has the offensive weapons to run it up. I, I think you could see some defensive scores mm-hmm. that would have to happen for them to really run it up. But I just don't think their offense is really is struggling so much, and the Bengals' defense has played better. For the most part, they have held most teams down a little bit. That I I think it stays a little bit closer where he doesn't doesn't have the ability to run it up and I and their defense absolutely can shut down this I mean you could totally see no touchdowns to the Bengals so I'm I'm running with no touchdowns to the Bengals I'm passing I'm running it up and uh, I'm booting no touchdowns for Brady all right Jay what do you get you got one for me I do we got a run pass or boot for us yeah okay I do in light of this week's developments in what type of game are you most likely to cheat. In Euchre, whether it be stealing the deal or having uh, nonverbal signals with your partner, uh, golf, we know everybody cheats in golf. And the third one would be a game of Candyland with your daughter. Oh, man. You know, you do want to get that game over with, and she, you, you know you can cheat always. I, I don't want to set that precedent. Uh, so I, I will boot Candyland. But however, in golf and euchre, I feel like you're kind of expected to be trying to cheat, especially if you're just out there playing and drinking beers or whatever. Like, I feel like trying to cheat is sort of part of the fun of the game. And I stink at golf, so I need to cheat just to find some form of respectability. So I will say I'm going to run with golf. I'm going to pass on euchre and and boot Candyland. What what would you do in these in this situation? Uh, well, I don't play golf, so um, that I, I, <laughs> the thing there though there that's where the whole Patriots plausible deniability comes in because the golf rule book. I mean, I do follow golf. I watch it a lot. I, I know the the rules and I do enjoy watching it. But the rule book is so crazy; it would be very easy to cheat because you just oh, I didn't know that was a rule. 
What do you mean? Am I, I not allowed to pick the ball up out of the bunker and throw it onto the grass? Is that was that is that frowned upon? Should I not have done that? I can't move that pine needle. I mean, there's so many crazy rules. Um, yes. So and then with Candyland, I did cheat because you. It's oftentimes it's not just one game. It's let's play again. Let's play again. So you get to that second, that third game. I would cheat, but I would cheat against myself. I would I would stack the deck so that my daughter got Queen Frostine like second second card pool like oh my god that's amazing you're all the way way up there so i i did that all the time i don't know if that counts as cheating if you're doing it the other way but yeah i'll run with euchre that's that is part of the game that's part of the challenge and usually there's drinking involved when you're playing euchre so it's it's pretty easy to to steal the deal and um i've gotten not just stealing the deal but i've got pretty good at uh slyly shuffling things so that i can always turn over a bower i'm pretty good sleight of hand there so you don't want to play euchre against me. So it all, all, all God, your your shadiness just knows no bounds. We're not playing for money. You're, you're stacking the deck. Yes. Oh, you know what? It's one thing to steal the deal. That's like fun gamesmanship. Like you're trying to catch them not looking, but like just feeding yourself bowers. Like if if, oh, he, if people that's cut. like crossing the line. If people cut and then they don't like stack it, they just leave it sitting on the table cut. You just oh. put it back, you just put it back the way it was <laughs> instead of doing it the other way and they don't notice and you, you've got the jack on the bottom and you can, I, it's just, I, I, I played a lot of euchre in college. I developed a, a very good system for cheating. So you don't want to play me. <laughs> so I'll run with euchre. I'll pass on Candyland and I'll boot golf just because I don't play. I don't know that I want to do any recreational activity with you anymore, Jay. If I go, what are we gonna do? We're gonna go ride a roller coaster together. You can throw salt in my eyes. I can get you in free to a lot of places. I have a lot of workarounds. I used to go to Reds games free all the time at Synergy Field. Now they they tore that stadium down and took my little sneak in away. But yeah, I've, you are the R. You you are the Arby's of euchre buddies. <laughs> That's, what does that mean? That means I'm awesome? No. No, it means you're disgusting and filthy <laughs> and people probably call you Mr. Tickle. <laughs> All right. Uh, that wraps it up. You know, I want to remind everybody, uh, we have, uh, the bonus episode coming up on Thursday. I will have an interview with the athletics LSU writer, Brody Miller, uh, who has a fantastic piece on the background of Joe Burrow, the leader and how he has Take been this truly dynamic leader for the LSU program and how that happened and the accounts of everybody who watched it happen from the inside. So really excited about that interview as the Bengals try to try to land the Joe Burrow sweepstakes here over the last few weeks. Um, so of that, we'll of course have our predictions for the weekend. And uh, hell, there's a pretty good chance we'll have a few more developments that will have that we'll have to discuss between now and then as well. Um, so look out for that. So plenty to come on the bonus episode. If you don't subscribe to the athletic, highly recommend it. Hundreds upon hundreds of the best writers in the country. Uh, every team, you pick your teams that you like and you have incredible coverage on it. Plus Cincinnati, myself, Jay Morrison, Trent Rosecrans, uh, on the reds. Uh, Justin Williams is just killing it on the UC beat. Uh, Shannon Russell had a great story this week on Xavier, on Travis Steele uh, going to Dana's and and having his kid plop down $1,000 for all the drinks for everybody in there, which is just great. Uh, Love that story from Shannon. Uh, 
Mo Eggers, Collins. Every, look, we, we've got it all covered. Uh, and so great stuff if you're a Cincinnati fan. And then if you uh, love teams even across the globe, and Premier League, whatever, um, we've got you covered there. So all for one low price. And you can even find a deal. I believe I saw a sponsored deal going around for 50% off right now. Don't pin me down to that. I don't want to, like, piss my bosses off, but I saw that on Twitter this afternoon. So Great gifts. Uh, great Great gifts for Christmas, for sure. Anyway, thanks, everybody, for listening to Hear That Podcast Ground, and we will uh, we will catch you on the bonus episode later this week. Have a good one, everybody.